my name is Aggie and this is Biohacking Bestie. The one-stop shop for a modern queen where you can find biohacking courses, self-growth courses, and where you can find the most incredible community of women so you can hit all of your biohacking goals and beyond. Welcome back to Biohacking Bestie. Today we have a very special guest, Dr. Stephen Gundry, four times. And I hope by the time this book comes, uh, this interview comes out, it's going to be a five times New York Times bestselling author. Fingers, Fingers crossed. crossed. And, and toes and everything. That's right. An incredible book, Gut Check, that just came out. Congratulations. Thanks. I said to you before we started that I am so grateful for people like you that take the super complicated medical research and just put it in simple words for people. And you have blown up the gut into the world, so to say, right? So you finally, you know, with Plant Paradox, you finally brought the idea of anti-nutrients into the mainstream, which I imagine it wasn't very easy. No. And, you know, it's funny. It's it's still not easy uh, to to convince people that these unseen plant defense systems that we in general can't taste or feel might interact with us in negative ways and that we might have an unseen army whose sole purpose is to protect us from harm, and that's our gut microbiome. And it's really hard, even my colleagues, yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. Don't uh, get it. I was I was just doing a filming a thing with Dr. Dale Bradison who wrote The End of Alzheimer's, uh, a little Alzheimer's summit. And uh, he and I treat a lot of dementia and memory loss patients and we've become actually good friends through the years. And we were just chatting and he says, "You know, the amazing thing is people don't believe me <laughs> that you could stop mild cognitive impairment. You could reverse Parkinson's. And he says, "You let's just start this. I bet you they don't believe you either. And I said, that's correct. They do not believe me. And uh, I used to give, when the plant paradox came out seven years ago now, I used to give a talk and uh, famous quotes. And one of the quotes was from Upton Sinclair, who mm -hmm. was a muckraker in the United States in the early 1900s. And he wrote The Jungle. And uh, Upton Sinclair says, it's difficult to get a man to understand something if understanding it threatens his livelihood. Beautiful. Very it, true. If you're very, going against the big farmer, you're going against, you know, big food, yeah. right? With your... And it's funny, theories. I was just last weekend, for no good reason, I'm scrolling through the TV, and Moneyball came up. Have you ever seen Moneyball? Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's about the Oakland Athletics uh, baseball team, yeah. and they bring in a couple guys who decide to use kind of computer ranking to decide how to run the ball team. And it actually worked, worked. and they, they won, what, 20 straight games, which had never been done. And uh, the, the general manager got to be interviewed with the Boston Red Sox for the general manager job. And he says, oh, you don't want me. He said, uh, everybody hates me. He says, you don't understand. He says, the first guy through the wall always gets bloodied. He mm. says, yeah, but they hate me. He says, they hate you because you threaten their livelihood. And when I, you know, here I was a heart surgeon over 20 years ago. 
looking at Big Ed, a guy who reversed his coronary artery disease by changing what he ate and taking some supplements from a health food store. And he didn't know why he was doing it, but I watched him clean out his coronary arteries. And luckily, you can't see unless your eyes are open. And at least I was lucky to have my eyes open on that day. And so here I was, a heart surgeon, teaching my patients how to avoid heart surgery. Mm -hmm. And all my colleagues would say, what, what kind of stupid idiot are you? Because, you know, you're putting yourself out of business. Uh, yeah. Which, I which is which is said, by the way, that we treat hospital as a business, and so right is not funny, but it is a little bit like that. That you weren't treating it as a business; you were treating it as your mission to have as little patience as possible. Which that would be a good indicator of a surgeon: I have as little patience as possible because I'm reversing their surgery. Meanwhile, some people think that the more surgeries they do, the better they are. Sure, yeah, and it. Uh, I mean, and luckily, my when I. So I was doing this, uh, you know, I was chairman of cardiothoracic surgery at Loma Linda University at top of my game in the fit in, when I was in my early 50s, designed bunches of operations, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and then I looked in the mirror one day before going to work, I said, I've got this all wrong. Like, I shouldn't operate on people and then teach them how to eat so they'll avoid me in the future. I should teach them how to eat and then I won't have to operate on them. And so I literally went in and resigned my position and moved to Palm Springs, which is right down the road from Loma Linda, and set up a clinic. And I'm a researcher, and I said to patients, look, I want to draw blood work on you every three months, and insurance and Medicare will pay for it. And I want you to take certain foods out of your diet, and I want you to put certain foods in, and it sounds crazy, but trust me on this, and I want you to go to a health food store or Costco or Trader Joe's, there wasn't an Amazon back then, and, and buy some supplements. And I want to see what happens to you and your blood work. And that's what we did. And of course, the rest is kind of history, and that resulted in the plant paradox and mm. all the other books. And I still, six days a week, see patients. Uh, wow. Yeah. And Incredible. Because I guess it doesn't, and it doesn't stop, right? Like you, I see that you keep educating yourself and there's still yet another angle. And so I would love to invite you, our dear listener, we all have these ideas that we feel very passionate about to the point that we completely closed our minds into a, a remote possibility of being wrong about certain things. So for me, learning about anti-nutrients was so crushing. I was like, what do you mean? Like some plants don't want to be eaten. I don't get it. I, whole, I thought the whole point, the more plants, the better. I was vegan for eight years. So, you know, raw and vegetable meant good. And then obviously got really sick, had gut issues. I didn't know gut issues because I wasn't educated on the gut, but incredible skin issues. My hair was falling out, had unexpected weight gain. And the hardest thing to communicate to people is just, I was depressed. I couldn't get out of bed. I was achy. I was not motivated. And so thank God I found somebody who introduced me to like the whole idea that, you know, it could be your gut, you know, more than anything. And so I got on a journey, you know, I, I started to heal my gut through a very vegan way of like, oh, eat even less, even less fat and even more vegetables originally. And then I, you know, came across people like yourself and I was like, oh, actually this is all wrong. Right. And 
sure, maybe there is a diet that I don't want to mention people that promote these diets, the raw vegan diets, but you know, there are certain cleanses that are very popular um, that I guess work for some people. But if you are struggling, perhaps you can open, open yourself to this possibility that there might be something to do with your gut and anti-nutrients. So let's just unravel the two because gut seems like a very scary word, anti-nutrients and also microbiome. So in very simple terms, what is gut? So in very simple terms, we have a 20 foot long tube that starts in our mouth and nose and winds its way through our body and comes out the rear end. And back when I was in medical school, we used to think that this hollow tube, magic happens inside the tube. You break down what you eat, you absorb it, and whatever you don't need comes out as waste. And that's kind of how the magic happened. Mm -hmm. And we had no idea, number one, that the surface area of this 20-foot-long tube was the same surface area as a tennis court. So those of us who are watching the Australian Open or come out to Indian Wells in a few months for yeah. the BNP, there you is... You can see Dr. Gundry in the audience probably. That's right. I'll, <laughs> my, my wife's a big tennis player. So anyhow. So that's a massive area. It's a massive area. And it's like, and everybody looks and goes, what? It's down here? There's a tennis court? Well, there literally is a tennis court. Yeah. So that's number one. It's a... Very large area. Now, our gut is actually our, our skin turned inside out. And one of the hardest things to conceptualize is that everything we swallow is actually outside of us every bit as much as this air is. And go, wait a minute, no, I just swallowed it. It's inside me. Well, the example I use, if, if, we're, if we go in a tunnel, if we watch a tunnel underneath the Hudson River in New York City, we watch a car go into the tunnel, and it disappears, and we go, huh, that, that car is in the water. And we're shocked when that car comes out the other side and it's not dripping wet because you just saw it go into the water. It wasn't in the water. It was in a tube mm -hmm. that was outside of the water. The same thing happens when we swallow everything. It's outside of us. And that's the first concept that people have to get. It's outside. And our skin is designed to protect us from the outside. Now, our gut has a dual purpose. It not only has to protect us from everything we swallow, but it has to absorb the things that we want to get in to nourish us. And those are almost two exact opposite opposing forces. Now, here's part two. Initially, we had... Well, we're supposed to have 100 trillion different bacteria wow. in our gut. 100 trillion. To give some way of quantifying that, as I talk about in Gut Check, there's 3 trillion trees in the world. 3 trillion. So that means there's 93 trillion more bacteria in each of our guts than there are trees in the world. Incredible. It's incredible. What are they doing there? Well, as the whole principle of gut check, they're doing a whole lot more than we could have ever imagined. And none of us even knew they were there until the Human Microbiome Project started in the early 2000s and just finished in 2017. And gut check is about what they're doing. But one of the things that is so important is these bacteria, number one, are there to protect us. Mm -hmm. We have a symbiotic relationship with them. 
That means they help us, we help them. We give them a place to live and we give them what they need to eat if we're smart. And because we also can be feeding the bad guys, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so, or we can be starving them. And quite frankly, most of us are starving these guys to death in lots of ways. So just to explain, so there are certain bacteria in our gut that are very picky and they are like eating a certain kind of foods. And if you don't eat that kind of food, they're starving. Meanwhile, you're feeding them the, the processed food that is is killing them, right? And and is feeding the thick sugar. You're feeding the bad guys that it would be best to not have a lot of them. Correct. I mean, we're supposed to have some bad guys and we're supposed to have lots of good guys. But one of the things that was fascinating to me early on, there's actually, for instance, bacteria that like to eat gluten, a mischievous lectin plant compound in wheat, rye, barley, and oats. They like to eat it. But they're not around anymore. We've killed them off. We know they're bacteria that, believe it or not, like to eat plastics. And wow. yeah, in fact, super old people who are thriving in their late 90s and early 100s have bacteria that love to eat all the nasty things that we swallow, like plastics that's in wow. our water. Incredible. And most of us don't have those guys. They they literally want to protect us because we're their home and they want us to thrive. Unfortunately, we've done a horrible job of that. So the third thing is we we have this wall that's literally supposed to be impenetrable to That's keep, right, the tube, right? The that idea tube, is that, that when the car goes into the tunnel, it's going to come out dry, but... Correct. <laughs> and there shouldn't be leaks going into yeah. the tunnel. In, in fact, I'll give you an interesting story. Uh, over the holidays, uh, we went to uh, England, where I trained, London, where I trained in children's heart surgery years ago. And we went there for Christmas. And we said, hey, uh, let's take the channel and go to Paris for New Year's. So we took the channel that goes under the channel and on the train. It was really quite nice. And we get to Paris and we're watching the news and it said the channel is going to be closed for the next three days because there was a leak. And and you were like, did all leaky gut? Yeah. <laughs> so in this case, the water was coming into the tunnel and closed it. In our case, what happens to us is we're supposed to have a sealed wall. That wall has a design flaw. The the wall is only one cell thick for a tennis court worth of of surface area. Now, these cells are held together with what are called tight junctions. And they're there because there's only one cell standing between everything we swallow and us. And that wall is supposed to not leak. Unfortunately, that wall is very leakable and plants, whether they thought of this or not, plants have a unique ability to break down those seals between Mm -hmm. the cells. And they're called tight junctions. And now a a very famous professor at Harvard, Alessio Fasano, who's originally from Italy, described how all this happens. And it's not pseudoscience. It's real. 
and we can measure whether or not there are gaps in the wall of the gut. We can measure how bad it is. We can measure its ceiling again, and that's what I do and teach people in gut check. But this is real. It's measurable science, and yet and most people f- don't believe it. But at the same time, you probably feel it. And I think I really love that, you know, in my also my, in my journey, realizing how does it feel to have a leaky gut is a big indicator. You don't have to believe it until you actually get sick. And then it's much easier to believe these things. So what are the signs? Someone's watching this right now. Like, how do I know? I probably don't have access to someone like Dr. Gundry, but I would like to figure out maybe, maybe I have a leaky gut. What would be like the five ways for us to recognize the inflammation that is being born. Well, you bring up a very good point. So over the last 20 years, it's become a hot topic that inflammation is the cause of everything bad that's going to happen to us. Inflammation causes... Or even inflammaging, right? Yeah, inflammaging or neuroinflammation. Many of us believe that Coronary artery disease, atherosclerosis is caused by inflammation. So people got into anti-inflammatory foods. Well, the question has to be, well, wait a minute. Where did the inflammation come from? And inflammation happens because a wall has been broken. So I use the example, we have all gotten a splinter in our finger or in our toe when walking barefoot, and it gets all red and it hurts, and that's inflammation. Now, what caused the inflammation was this foreign body, this splinter. Mm -hmm. And the amazing thing, and our white blood cells come and attack this splinter. That's their job. They're after this foreign particle. And they're even going to remember what that foreign particle looked like so that if they ever see that foreign particle again, they'll be ready. Wow. Oh, really? yeah. Really. That's actually, believe it or not, how vaccines work. Oh, I, I knew that, but I didn't think on the, that it would work on such a small scale as getting a splinter. But it makes sense, right? It's the same It's the mechanism. same process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So you pull out the splinter and amazingly enough, uh, the inflammation goes away. So it doesn't continue. But these splinters, what interested me, in fact, let me, if I could digress for a second. One of the things that really fascinated me when I first kind of got into this, I have a good friend who we'll call Tony. And Tony is a great looking guy, a ladies man, and he's really handsome. And he had vitiligo on his hands. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't know vitiligo, that's what Michael Jackson suffered mm-hmm. from. It's a loss of pigmentation. And he had it quite obvious on his hands. And he, he was a friend of mine. I said, hey, you know, why don't you try my diet and let's see what happens. Well, his vitiligo goes away. Uh, it took a couple months, but it completely resolved. His, his, you know, his color came back. And he's going, Wow. He said, well, what do you think was that was all about? Well, I said, well, you know, it's a very anti-inflammatory diet. And he made, took out the splinter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't quite realize it at that point. So then I saw him, lost track of him, and I saw him at a meeting several years later, and his vitiligo was back. And I said, hey, what happened? He says, oh, you know, I kind of fell off the wagon and— it's not a big deal. It's okay. And I said, well, hey, why don't, we, why don't we try this again? 
and let's see if it goes away. He says, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm game for that. So sure enough, it resolves. Wow. I'm going, now, wait a minute here. There's more to this than, you know, took a, take away the splinter. So the pigmentation in us are caused by a nerve cell that's called a melanocyte. And it's actually derived from nerves. So it turns out that way back when plants were here first, they had no predators, nobody wanted to eat them. And, you know, it was the Garden of Eden for plants. Then insects arrived. Insects eat plants. So plants developed a biohacking, a, actually a chemical warfare against insects. And they devised systems that would paralyze their nerves. So if an insect can't move, can't yeah. eat a plant. And they target nerve cells with these compounds that are called lectins. So I'm going, wait a minute. He's attacking his nerve cells with lectins and his own body is destroying his nerve cells because the lectins are attached. And I'm taking away the lectins and I'm taking away the splinter in the walls of the gut, and everything returned to normal. And this is literally what Hippocrates taught 2,500 years ago, the father of medicine, that all disease begins in the gut. Yeah, I actually said in the book. So you mentioned lectins, and so let's just explain what antinutrients are, what are lectins, and a quick list of where we can find lectins, and how to get rid of some of the antinutrients if we can. Well... That's a lot of questions. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, just the, the, the lectin primer is, again, these are plants in general don't want to be eaten. They don't want their babies eaten, their seeds, except in certain, certain circumstances like fruit, and we can get into fruit sometime. So they, again, are chemists of, of incredible ability. I mean, they can turn sunlight into matter, and we haven't figured out how to do that yet. So they use compounds that are proteins in general that are designed to stick to sugar molecules. And those sugar molecules line the lining of our gut. They line the lining of our blood vessels. They line the lining of our blood-brain barrier. They line the lining of our joints. And they line the spaces between our nerves. And they're called sialic acids, and there won't be a test, I promise. And so they, their job is to find these sugar molecules. And when they attach to these sugar molecules, if they attach in the gut, they actually flip a switch and cause these little glued pieces of cells to break open. And now there's a space. And the space means that these particles can get through the wall of a gut bacteria or pieces of bacteria can get through the wall of gut. And the really amazing thing is that literally whole pieces of normal food that would normally be fully digested could get through the wall of the gut and look foreign. Now, this wall is so important that 80% of all of our white blood cells, the immune system, is lining the gut. 80%. Wow. Yeah. Why? Because this is where mischief can come through. And our army has to be ready for a attack. 
Now, it turns out these attacks happen all the time, but things seal up, the army stands down, and everything's okay. But what I've learned over the last 25 years now, thanks to my patients, and that's why I keep seeing them, is in those of us with a condition, like an autoimmune condition or like fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue, what's happening is 24 hours a day, 365 days a week, the hordes are coming across this wall. And our immune system is constantly on high alert. Our immune system, I use the example because I lived in London back in the good old days, the policemen, the bobbies, walked around London with a, with a billy club. Mm -hmm. They had no guns. They had nothing else. And they kept the peace. Now, our immune system, because of what's going on in most of our gut, is, has got a Kevlar vest, and they're armed with two AK-47s, and their finger is on the trigger because they're constantly being bombarded with foreign proteins. And that is basically like, you know, imagine that your body is constantly working. No days off, Monday through Friday, or through Sunday, 24 hours a day, fighting the little inflammation. So you're sitting and you never feel like, oh, I feel like a piece of food just leaked through my gut into my blood. But you will feel tired. Yeah. You will, oh, it's going to be much easier for you to get sick, especially in winter, right? Constant colds. People get sick. I'm like, oh, you know, it's winter. We all get sick. And I'm like, I don't get sick in winter. <laughs> Cause yeah, like you bring up a really good point. And you notice, you notice back in COVID days, everybody said, well, now, if you have these chronic diseases, like if you have diabetes or you have heart disease or you have autoimmune disease or you have arthritis, you're much at greater risk for catching COVID. Why is that? Because you bring up the exact point. Your immune system, 80% of it is so distracted with the war that's happening in your gut that there aren't any troops available for up in your lungs or up in your nose or up in your mouth. They're all down in your gut. And that's why these people are so much at higher risk. And nobody bothers to say, well, why are they at higher risk? It's because their immune system is distracted with a really nasty war. Yeah, and I love that it's, you know, we normalized being sick constantly to a degree that, you know, having sniffles for 10 days, two weeks, getting sick two or three times every winter and just feeling low energy is just become so normal that, you know, if you say to somebody, hey, I have three, four coffees a day, it's like, yeah, you must like coffee. And I'm like, no, your body is like struggling. Something's off right now. It's not funny, though, that we made it so normal that it's almost like it's not alarming to hear someone, oh, yeah, I just have a few coffees a day. My question is like, why do you feel like you need so much coffee? Yeah, right? no, it's a really good point. Uh, I mean, even as a heart transplant surgeon, we would have people who have you know, really bad hearts. They really weren't pumping blood around their body properly. But they were, they were getting along. And then we'd put a brand new fresh heart in them. And within a day, they'd, you know, they'd wake up and they'd go, oh my gosh, you know, I forgot what feeling normal felt like. Uh, you know, I was so used to this. Yeah. Uh, 
And I've seen it with my patients. One of my early patients, again, I see him every three months. So I, I saw him after three months. I said, hey, how you doing? And he says, you know, feeling well never tasted so good. Oh, I love that. And I love that expression. <laughs> that really, you know, Cause it said does it all. Because it feel so good. And it's like for me, you know, I work with a lot with women, mostly women and young women. And they think that we normalized struggling. And so just because it's common, it doesn't mean it's normal, right? Because it's not normal to feel terrible into your, in your own body and be getting sick all the time, especially when you're young. And I think that's that's the biggest indicator of whether or not it's worth exploring more about health. I personally think there is no upper level to health. The more I do it, the better I feel. I feel like it just keeps getting better. There's another level of detoxification. There's another level of me removing EMFs and reducing my stress that it just feels like it's it's almost like there is no upper limit because we can just be doing so much more and so much more. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is actually what Hippocrates taught. And it sounds very California speak every time I say it. And I've written about it. He believed that all of us have a green life force energy that wants us to have perfect health and that there were external factors that were suppressing the green life force energy with us, within us. And he believed that a physician's job was to be a detective and find out what those external factors were and teach the patient to remove them. And then the green life force energy would express itself. And you're absolutely right. It sounds so hokey. It sounds... Until you feel it. Until and you, then you're like, then wow, you go, this oh, is amazing. Wow. <laughs> now, I think... He didn't know about the bacteria back then, but I think this microbiome is, from a large part, this green life force energy. And if you give them what they want to eat, they actually teach our immune system who's good guys and who's bad guys. And what's really exciting is that they have the ability to produce compounds that are really good at sealing leaky gut. And so it's a, you know, it's a, it's a win-win for everybody. And so, you know, my little piece of teaching people was, hey, let's take these mischievous plant compounds out of your diet or let's defuse them by peeling or deseeding a tomato or pressure cooking a bean. Mm or fermenting something like or soaking or, or soaking. sprouting yeah uh, let's let's diffuse these guys and see what happens you, you got nothing to lose uh, and see how you feel it's funny though because you know coming from poland my grandma knew these things you know this is what we used to do but we all of a sudden in the 20th century thought we're like the coolest and we have science now so we don't have to listen to what ancestors already knew a lot of times and they had thousands of years of test and trial but like my grandma always knew to pickle to sprout to ferment things it was completely normal right that yeah. um she did all, i remember she would peel a tomato from the skin every time she's like you don't eat the skin i'm like grandma this is this is good for you Heavy. you know yeah. yeah and so 
just such a beautiful invitation for me as well that the more we learn a lot of times we go back to what you know great grandfathers already knew and were practicing Hey there, beautiful beings. Sorry for a quick interruption, but you all know that I'm super passionate about discovering natural ways to boost my health, right? So guess what? I've stumbled upon something absolutely amazing and I just can't wait to share it with you. It's called Armour Colostrum and let me tell you, it has been a game changer for me. It's been something that I take every day. I have it with me right now in Bali and I have seen incredible benefits. And this is coming from someone who has been trying to heal her gut her entire life and I feel an amazing difference and it tastes amazing. So here's the scoop. If you want to enhance your gut or step up your fitness game or add some extra glow to your skin and hair, then definitely Armour Colostrum should enter the picture in your life. And the changes I have noticed are incredible. Armour Colostrum isn't just any health product, it's, you know, powerhouse of over, of over 400 living bioactive nutrients. We're talking about complete transformation from the inside out, strengthening immunity, fueling metabolism, boosting gut health, and so much more. And the best part, it's all natural, sustainably sourced with from grass-fed cows right here in the US. Plus, their cold chain biopotent technology ensures that every nutrient is preserved in its most potent form. And for those of you who, like me, care deeply about sustainability, Armora has got us covered. They only use surplus colostrum after the calves are fully fed, so nothing goes to waste. Incorporating Armora into my daily routine, like I said, I've noticed some pretty massive changes. My skin is more radiant, my energy levels are <laughs> pretty much through the roof, and my fitness recovery is even faster than ever. And that's all thanks to colostrum. So if you're excited, as I am, to try it out, I've got a special treat for you. Head over to tryarmra.com forward slash Aggie and use the code Aggie to get 15% of your first order. Trust me, your body will thank you. So that's tryarmra, T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-I dot com slash Aggie. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey to a healthier, happier you. Thanks for listening. Just because I work with women, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about microbiome and women, because I know our microbiome is slightly different and it can fluctuate through our cycle yeah. as well. So that's what do we need to, as a woman, what do I need to know about my microbiome and how is my microbiome different than yours? purely from the you know a uh, sex point not i'm sure you're doing so much more than i'm doing for my gut but just in general well i think you, first of all you brought up a good point just a minute ago and i see a lot of women patients because you guys get more autoimmune diseases 80 percent of autoimmune is women, is women. yeah correct and 80 percent of my practice is autoimmune disease patients who 80 percent who have failed to be helped in traditional medicine. Most people have gone to six, eight doctors or centers or healers, mm -hmm. and they're not getting any better, and they don't want to be on these biologic drugs because they know long-term. And, and also they, they, they know deep down that like if, if a diet and environment got me here, surely if I adapted, I can heal. Yeah, but they're told by their well-meaning, I hope well-meaning uh, healthcare <laughs> providers that it has nothing to do with diet. It's it's all in your head. 
if you have kids, it's mommy brain, or if you have kids, pregnancy brain, yeah, yeah. yeah, mommy brain, pregnancy brain. Of course, you're exhausted. You have two young kids. Of course, you're exhausted. Or of course, you're exhausted. You're perimenopausal, and of course, you're you're anxious and depressed. Of course, you are. That's normal. It's not. You know, I have a wife. I have two female daughters. I have three female dogs. And, <laughs> and so these complaints should not be dismissed. They are not normal. And we have this epidemic of autoimmune diseases. They were so unusual when I was in medical school and in training. So unusual, like Hashimoto's or Crohn's or rheumatoid arthritis or lupus that when we ran out of things to explain what was happening to somebody, we'd go, let's draw the funny tests. And the funny tests were these autoimmune tests. And we called them funny tests because we almost never did them because you didn't, you know, okay, you know, it can't be that. But we've run out of everything else. Let's do the funny test. Oh, my God. And your practice now is nothing but the funny tests. But, but nothing <laughs> but the funny tests. So women... And I've said this from day one, women have to be heard. And if you're not being accepted with your complaints, I'm tired all the time. Get yourself someone who will take you seriously. I can't sleep. Get yourself someone who can t take you seriously. I'm anxious and depressed. Yeah. You don't need necessarily an antidepressant, but since you brought it up, so we now know that antidepressants, particularly the SSRIs, which are the serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which everybody takes, work by changing the gut microbiome to make more antidepressive compounds like serotonin. And what's fascinating is, as an aside, Roundup glyphosate kills off the tryptophan-producing bacteria in our gut no, specifically. So you can actually uh, supplement tryptophan, which is the precursor to serotonin, correct? Yeah. And so it's naturally in eggs and turkey and seeds. Yeah, and it, it's, it's even easier to take 5-HCP, which is the next yeah. step up. But the exciting thing is you can actually get the right bugs back that will produce this. And there are now a few companies that are producing specific probiotics as mood elevators. And we can prove that these bacteria will make the compounds that you're looking for. When I first got into like started discovering the gut, I was like, oh my God, we're so behind. So if you travel in Europe, in the probiotic section, each probiotics are not named like 7 billion, 20 billion. They're like mood probiotic. Yeah. Brain probiotic, weight loss probiotic. I was like, oh my God, that's so much more powerful than just say, hey, here's a bunch of everything because you might not need to supplement certain ones. And supplementing probiotics based on no gut test, like that's first thing, right? Because it's like you you can, but I'm curious about your take on that because gut tests are, from, in my health journey, it was really eye-opening when you get a 20-page report and each bacteria is mentioned and you either have it or you don't have it. I'm like, incredible. Like it can, you can, it's like reading your entire biography. You want me to tell you how many gut microbiome tests I've done in 20 yes. years? Yes, <laughs> I'm curious. Two. No, really? Yeah. Why? 
as I talk about in the book, what's, what's amazing is, so the reason we have a tennis court inside our gut is our, the lining of our gut is basically a shag carpet. Mm-hmm. And if we had a microscope and looked, you'd literally see a shag carpet. And at the base of these shag carpets, they're, they're called crypts, uh, like a tomb. And at the base of these crypts are a collection of all the important bacteria that you will ever need, that your mother gave you when Because we born. pass on our microbiome, like the women From pass, the mother, yeah. correct. So mothers pass microbiomes to their children, right? And mothers pass the mitochondria on to their children. Oh, that's right. And yeah. their sisters. So anyhow, stem cells are at the base of these crypts too. And what I propose to people is that if you kind of dangle out the things that these little guys want to eat and get rid of the bad guys, they'll come out of hiding and they'll come out and repopulate the gut. I mean, for instance, we now know that the appendix was, is rather important. It contains all the bacteria you need to repopulate your gut. And here we are just feeling like it's so... It's in, yeah, who cares about it? And it's these crypts that actually contain these guys. So what I found in patients who bring in their gut tests, that, yeah, most of them actually are completely devoid of what are called short-chain fatty acid-producing bacteria. And I talk about acromancia, mucinophila, and again, there won't be a test, but this is a keystone bug that lives in the mucus of the wall of our gut. And the more mucus we have, the more it absorbs plant compounds that wish us harm. And most of us don't have that mucus anymore. So acromancia is really important. And all my patients who bring these things in, they don't have any acromancia. They don't have any clostridium uh, butyricus that produces butyrate. But that's easy to fix. We can either give them acromancia to swallow, or we can give them butyric acid to tide them over, nano-encapsulated, like in my product, BioComplete 3. There's a shameless plug. No, no, please do, because I actually love your supplements. And, you know, a big part of your legacy is, I believe, your supplements and the way you communicate about them, right? So I think there's there could be very, uh, you know, absolute shameless plug, because it is important to to talk about it's part of your mission. Yeah, well, it, it's the same thing. And for instance, just in the news, I think it was today or yesterday, big news, it's been happening for six months. All these young people are getting cancer. All these young people are getting colon cancer. People in their 20s and 30s. And now, of course, what's the answer? Well, we have to now get colonoscopies at 45 instead of 50. Well, that's not the answer. The answer is, why in the world is everybody getting these cancers early? And the answer is, like Hippocrates says, excuse me, all disease begins in the gut. Okay, let's look at the gut to explain why everybody's getting early cancer. And the point of all it is, these short-chain fatty acids, butyrate, are what the lining of the gut actually has to have to stay alive. In fact, all of the energy that's provided to the large intestine lining 
is from butyrate, from butyric acid. Which is also in butter, correct? There's such a tiny amount, it's a waste <laughs> worth of time. It. No, sorry. <laughs> Have some grass-fed A2 butter, but not for the butyrate. No. <laughs> so, but butyrate is essential to keep colon cells healthy. And butyrate is one of the most potent anti-cancer compounds there is. So we're two generations that are devoid of making butyrate because we have not fed the bacteria what they need to eat to make it. Mm-hmm. And it's no wonder. You, you could actually say, hey, let's design an experiment and have people not make butyrate for two generations and let's see what happens. Oh, we would predict we'd see a lot more cancer early on in life. And lo and behold, headline news, hey, everybody, there's a lot more cancer early in life. And oh my gosh, there's no butyrate in these people. Do you think it's also connected to the fact that, you know, there's a big craze for protein powders and most of us are so stressed, we don't have enough digestive enzyme to digest the protein And hence, we have a ton of undigested protein floating in the gut, which I think it's linked to colon cancer as well. Well, What's your take on it? That's actually from a different cause. When I talk about it in the book, and it's very controversial, it's from a sugar molecule in beef, lamb, pork, and milk called NU5GC. And NU5GC is also in whey protein powder. And that's the most popular protein powder there yeah. is. And Technically the best, right? Technically not. Um, <laughs> the other thing that I think we have made a mistake is your family, my family, all of our great-grandparents got their protein by eating, um, let's, let's just say, a steak. They didn't usually eat steaks because they were too poor and they'd have to use yeah. the cheapest cuts of beef and they'd have to you know, braise it uh, for all day to break down all the you know, ligaments and cartilage and everything, which was actually really good for us. Yeah. In fact, my wife and I were talking about pot roast recipes that our parents had and my wife's uh, mother was from Germany and my mother was from France. Uh, my grandmother was from France. And but everybody and had pates and liver. Yeah, and, but everybody had a way of breaking down these proteins to make them edible. But now what we've done is we've taken these proteins and turned them basically into individual amino acids that are instantly absorbed rather than spending a long time being absorbed. And what people don't realize is that 60% of the protein that we absorb is instantly converted into sugar, glucose. And it's like, wow, so wait a minute, a protein powder shake is almost like having, you know, a soft Banana, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I didn't know that, Uh, but that's unfortunately how it works. But new 5GC is, is a real mischief maker because cancer cells actually use new 5GC to produce localized inflammation that lowers the oxygen level and they thrive in it. Wow. In fact, there's a new paper out suggesting that we should measure serum new 5G levels and it's a great marker for cancer patients. Wow, yeah. incredible. Yeah. 
So I guess maybe the the combo between whey protein and people not producing butyrate for a couple of generations is like a, a recipe for a colon cancer. Yeah, in young people. Uh, yeah, we we just uh, I mean we've we couldn't have done it any better. Um, <laughs> So just real quick before we um, before we wrap up, I want to make sure that we touch up on the the microbiome of women and how is it different and how does it change during our cycle? Yeah, so the, a couple things about that. Uh, yesterday, I I saw a gynecologist who's a patient of mine, and he's so impressed with what's happened to his health that he actually gives his patients the plant paradox. And he says, I got to catch you up. He says, because you need to hear this because people think I'm crazy. And he says, but I have women who we have scheduled for operation for endometriosis. And I give them your book and say, okay, tell you what, we'll schedule you. I know you're in pain. I know this is horrible. Let's give you three months and follow the book. And he said, every last one of them that we have scheduled to... Canceled. Canceled. Oh, no, he's going to quit like you did. Well, yeah. He <laughs> said, And he said, you're not going to believe this, but I have women with pelvic pain issues, with painful intercourse. I give them your book, and they no longer have painful intercourse. And you're like, I can't believe this. <laughs> yeah. I said, he says, isn't that amazing? He said, how did you know? I said, look... I didn't know. Hippocrates knew. And I'm just learning what Hippocrates knew. What's fascinating, and I talk about this in the book, we now know that women who have endometriosis, there's a particular bacterial microbiome that is leaked out through the leaky gut that's causing this problem. And yet there are women on medication for the rest of their life, right? I've seen this personally with women with fibroids who have come to me for another reason. But they come back and say, hey, you know, I've had four fibroids that my gynecologist is following and, you know, wanted to take them out. You're not going to believe this, but the fibroids aren't there anymore. And I said, well, I actually do believe this (laughs) because leaky gut is associated with developing fibroids. It's an inflammatory process. And think about it. Your uterus is right next to your rectum. My prostate is right next to my rectum. Mm-hmm. And isn't it interesting that there's now really good science that men get a big prostate because of leaky gut? Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I saw a gentleman recently in his early 70s, really healthy. And he said, why? Well, he was sent by a friend. He said, you know, you're not going to really help me. He said, you know, I'm so healthy already. I do everything right. And I'm looking through his list. I said, well, wait a minute. You're on three prostate medications. And he said, yeah, I'm 70 years old. Of course I have a big prostate. I said, well, I'm 73 and a half and I don't have a big prostate. He said, oh, of course you do. I said, oh, I used to have a big prostate. It shrunk. He said, yeah, right. No one believes that you can reverse that, right? Like, no. I, I don't no think one I'm... believes this. No one believes this. And... Again, you can't see unless your eyes are open. And people, you, through your work, people, particularly women, have to be empowered that this is something that nobody else is going to help us fix this. Your doctors don't want you to fix this. Uh, Sickness is good for business. 
you you and your listeners should be empowered that this is changeable. You can get your life back. You don't have to have a mommy brain. You know, and speaking of hormones, we now know that the bacteria in women who have issues with perimenopause, who have issues with cycling problems, I get really angry right before my period and I'm going to kill my husband uh, or my boyfriend. This is actually can be traced to the changes in the microbiome and it's called an astrobolome. And women who can develop breast cancer, it turns out there is a specific microbiome that associates with that. And the really I actually got to that part of the book. It's because yeah, it, you talk about bre breast cancer as well. In yeah, the book, yeah, yeah, and ovarian cancer. There's yeah. a specific microbiome. Now, the exciting thing is we'll get to a point soon that we can identify which are the good guys that we ought to introduce. What, what should we feed the good guys? And you're right, Europe is so far ahead of us. It's just scary. I spent a lot of time you know, learning in Europe because they're so far ahead of us. Because I guess the profit isn't getting in the way. They, they genuinely no. want to get... Right. Yeah. There, there's no profit Conflict, system. Yeah. yeah. There's no profit system in Europe. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a, a great story that really gives women power. When I was training, in, when I was training in London as a children's art surgeon from America, I was at Great Ormond Street Hospital and we do operations on these little babies. And immediately after the operation, the sisters, the nurses would send the mother, uh, down the block to bring some yogurt. And they'd start feeding the babies or the kids yogurt. And there were two of us Americans who were fellows. And we go, what the heck are you doing that for? You know, what, why are you doing that? And they said, you idiots, you know, you've killed off all the bacteria in these poor children because you gave them antibiotics for the operation and we're going to build it back. And we're going, yeah, this is so cute. You know, it's so cute. It's so quaint. Of course they were right. And this was back in the mid 1980s, long yeah. before we knew anything about this. Oh yeah, it's important to, you know, they got to have these things. I remember that growing, growing up in Poland that after we got sick, it would have to have yogurt, uh, kefir. Yeah, kefir. Yeah, so yeah. that was, I think it's, my mom thought it was better for me to just have that and yogurt. And I mean, I remember we had delivered raw milk, you know, up until recently that you had to boil it if we could drink it, but it was raw. It was, you know, every day in the store, there were like these bags, like in bottle, mm -hmm. glass bottles of yeah. milk. So it's funny how we like went all the way into technology and now slowly coming back. I love that you give so much hope for people, especially women, especially it's so hard for me to even get across to women who have been struggling with endometriosis and they feel like it's not fair of you to give me hope. I've tried every doctor and I'm on the drugs and I'm feeling like this, this is going to be part of my life. I either cut out my uterus or I'll take drugs and there is no in between. And I love that you mentioned that in the book. And I'm just like so grateful for everything that you do for women and for people and for guts. Well, I mean, again, this is why I keep seeing people six days a week. Because not literally a day goes by that I don't <laughs> yeah. that I don't get to see this in action. Um, like I, 
I've talked about this before, but it's still very heartwarming. Usually in my, in my offices, my PA sees the patient first and gives them, you know, what they're supposed to do. And then I usually see them three or six months later. And so I saw a lady on her six month visit and she had come in with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And there's two markers, autoimmune markers that we can measure. And so when I saw her, I said, now I know you've seen Mitsu. And uh, she said, yes, I'm here because I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. I said, well, no, you don't. And she said, well, <laughs> doctor, <Yeah. laughs> I, you haven't read my chart. I do. And I said, well, I have read your chart and I've seen your new labs that we're about to review. And yes, you had Hashimoto's, but you don't now. And wow. I showed her the labs and she, you know, this is six months. And she just, you know, burst out crying. And, and she said, but that's impossible. You know, you always have. I said, well, that's why you came, remember? Uh, <laughs> and she said, yes, but it's six months. And, you know, that's impossible. And that's why I keep showing up. I mean, you get to see impossible things. Is and there anything more rewarding? Exactly. You know, why, why wouldn't I get up out of bed every morning to, you know, to see a miracle? And, and I mean, it's really exciting. And God, God women, is a miracle. Women deserve better. They really do. Yeah. Beautiful. What a way to just finish up this conversation, guys. Gut check. Let's get Dr. Gundry to New York Times. Number one, New York Times bestseller. Oh. Why not? <laughs> uh, aim for the stars and spread the knowledge and, and the passion and the love for gut. Like, love your gut, really. Yeah, truly. Love your gut. Fall, fall in love with your gut. And get a gut check. Yeah. Oh, and get a gut. <laughs> exactly. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Uh, and just real great. quick, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram? Yeah, Instagram. You're everywhere. Yeah, I'm Podcast. everywhere. If I don't show up when you're surfing, I've done something wrong. Uh, <laughs> you, my YouTube channels, uh, the Facebook. Dr. Gundry pos uh, podcast, drgundry.com, my supplement food company, gundrymd.com. Yep. yep. Um, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having Thank me. You. Appreciate it. Ooh. Thanks. And before we wrap up, I want to talk to you about open, you know, big part of what I write about in the book is lowering your cortisol and managing stress. And I also mentioned a lot about breathwork. In fact, a brief five minute breathwork outperform meditation for improving mood and autonomic nervous system, according to Andrew Huberman. That's right. So all you need, it's just five minutes to completely change the state of your mind and no meditation needed if that's something that you struggle to do. I, for example, right now, meditation is not on the cards for me. So that's why I love using the open app each morning before I go anything else. I use the open app for a simple five-minute breathwork practice. By doing this first thing, I'm able to set the tone for the day ahead and tackle it with mental clarity, and I need to be my best self. So if you're ready to regain control of your operating system to unlock deeper sleep, better focus, less stress, natural energy, overall vibrancy, then you do need to try out the open app. All you have to do is commit to a five-minute a day to transform your life. If you want to get on my daily routine, you can get 30 days free with Open by visiting withopen.com at biohackingbestie. Again, it's 30 days free by visiting withopen.com forward slash biohackingbestie. Love you so much.